Thanks for joining us on the Church of the Lakes podcast, where we inspire life, share life, and give life. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at cotlakes.com. We'd love to connect with you. Now, let's go to the message. For those of you who were here last week, and it's your first time, what you didn't see last week was I prayed over uh, a daughter, actually, two weeks ago. We took Ayana, my my uh, 18-year-old, to the Marines, and uh, just as a little bit of a report, uh, we dropped her off on Sunday night. We got to take her out. We went out to the Cheesecake Factory, had a really great dinner, and um, it was all nice. And then we dropped her off. When we were at the hotel, I asked the lady at the hotel where the bathroom was, and she said, go up these stairs, second floor to the left. So what I didn't know is I walked up the stairs, and when I walked into the room, here were all the recruits, all different branches. There's probably like 75 to 100 kids, right? You, if you can imagine the looks on their faces, because most of them don't know each other, and they're about to go to boot camp. You know what I'm talking about? So there was just this, like, fear kind of thing where, and there was this, there was this guy over there with a clipboard, and he's going, Jones, David, fly now! Boom, oh, this one, you know, got drunk in line. Well, I noticed one kid. I noticed one kid, and I remember, Ayana had told us, very minimal that they could take with them, right? Like, very minimal amount of stuff they were allowed to take with them. They called this one kid's name up, and he comes running up in the line, and he's got a backpack. But when I say a backpack, it was packed, like, you know, hanging out like this. And a piece of luggage in each hand. And I'm looking at that kid and I'm like, you just lost half your life. Because I kind of said, whatever you take that you're not allowed to throw it away. Like she handed me her cell phone, painfully. You know, I had to pry it out of her hand. Kind of, but she had this gone. If you take it with you, it's gone. They're going to throw it away. Kind of thing. So I'm looking at this kid and all that, all that baggage. You just stirred today's lesson. Because how many of us are struggling on a day-to-day basis because we're carrying baggage that we think we need, but it's not appropriate for the next part of the process? Just going to let that soak in for a sec. And it's all of us. Those of us who have been doing this for 30 years, trying to be a follower of Jesus, those of us who have been doing it for a long time, we're not, we're, we're not at all exempt from this reality. And then I had something else happen this week that I said Because the reason I think that we're doing that is because we have a distorted view of who God is. Let me give you an illustration. Jen and I went scalloping last week. Okay? So we went out, for those of you who don't know what that is, we went out across the river, you go in like three to six foot deep of water, you put on a snorkel, and you snorkel around, and it's an Easter egg hunt. It's basically what it is, right? That's what I call it. It's like an ocean Easter egg hunt. And if you've ever seen, like, Shell Gas Station, that shell, that yellow figure, that's pretty much what a scallop looks like, okay? And so you're looking for scallops, and then you find one, you take a breath, you go down, you grab it, you put it in your bag, right? So it's this little Easter egg hunt. So Jen and I went scalloping. My wife, she is, like, addicted to scalloping now. She's never been. I think we've been, like, five times in the last two weeks now. But anyway, um, so we're scalloping, and we've been scalloping all day. It was just the two of us. We've been out on the boat all day. It was mid-afternoon. And we had moved to a new spot, and we're both off the boat, scalloping in the water. And I'm in the water, and I hear something. And I come up out of the water, and there he is. The popo. The freshwater fish, the, the, the fins and feather guys, that's what we call them. Right? Here he is in his boat, and as soon as I picked my head up, he went, whoop, whoop. And I went, and I looked at our boat, and I was like, oh, I forgot to put the diver down flag up. 
So I, I looked at him and I was like, I, I forgot to put a flag up, my bad. And I like swim over the boat like a crazy man. I run and grab it, like stick it up, like, <laughs> right, kind of thing going on. And here he comes and, and he pulls up and he ties up to our boat and he says, sir, can I have your license and registration? And I'm like, yes, sir. So I gave him my license for registration. And then this internal struggle began. Because I wanted to drop that I was chaplain for the Lee Church Police Department. Like I was thinking back at the dock, my badge. My badge is in my truck at, at, at the dock, right? And I was having this, like, come on, let's just be honest. Can I be honest for a second? And then I, and it was, and I had a check in my spirit, like, don't do that. Don't be that guy. Don't, don't abuse authority. You know, kind of deal. So I stood there. Well, then he started. He was like, okay, sir, let's do a little safety check. And he starts going through. Where are your flares? Well, we forgot where the flares were. So Jim and I turned into these goofy, like, <laughs> kids looking for flares. Where are they? Finally, flare, 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 here's the flare, right? Um, and where is your, where are your, you know, do you have a vest for everybody? We'll have a body. We did all safety. We got it all. So we passed the whole safety. I'm like, okay, we're good. He's going to see. I just forgot. It's all good. And we're standing there again, and he's on his computer. And I'm back to my fight. I wanted to just say, man, I really appreciate you guys. I know how hard it is to do this when I'm out on patrol with the Leesburg Police Department. But I didn't check in my spirit. You know, my spirit, don't do that. Don't name that. So I did it. Do it. Y'all, I got a $90 ticket, y'all. But here's my point. Here's my point. Do we carry around baggage? Because we have a distorted view of God, like we sometimes have a distorted view of those guys. Because when that guy pulled away, I didn't like him. And the whole time he was next to my boat, all I wanted to do was manipulate him. Do we look at God in such a distorted way, where all we really are trying to do is manipulate God? Well, like, maybe if I show up enough at church, he'll excuse this. Maybe, maybe if, I, if I give enough or I do enough, come on, somebody, now, now I'm getting into it for real, right? Like, and so because we have this distorted view of God in something, in often the way that we look at law enforcement, that's what the struggle is in our country, is a distorted view of who they are. That dude's there for my safety. That dude gave me a ticket so that I don't ever do that again. Why? So that we're not swimming around and one of us get hit by a boat and die, like, Right? Is $90 worth our safety? Of course it is. But do I have a distorted view, and do we have a distorted view sometimes in the way that we see God? And because of that, we have this tendency to still carry around baggage. You know, I've done a little bit of prison ministry as well. I wasn't in prison, but I went to do ministry as a prison. Some people don't believe that, but when I, when I went, when I saw there were men that were locked up and paying, they, they were doing what they needed to do. They were paying for their, the consequences of what they had done, which was right. But what I see on a daily basis is people walking around in self-caused prisons. Because I'm thinking about what happened to me before or what I did there, and I'm carrying this baggage forward. Are anybody hearing what I'm saying? And we're in our own prisons, and some of us, we've, we've had divorces, and, and we're dealing with kids' stuff, and we're dealing with this shared thing, 
right? Or we've got broken relationships with our kids. I've done that scenario. I know what that feels like. That whole thrust. But so we look at these things, or, 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 or teenagers, you know, you're doing something right now that's outside of you know it's wrong, and there's a guilt thing that's struggling inside of you. And, and, and so are we looking at God in the correct way, or are we looking at him like, I just don't want the sirens to go off? You hear what I'm saying to you? Like, we've got to look at God, and so that's why we've been doing this series. We need to get some basics down. We need to get some understanding of who God is, because Matthew 11 and 28 says this, Come to me, all who are tired from carrying heavy loads. All that stuff that that kid was carrying in line, all that stuff that you're carrying around, offenses, grudges, and guilt, resentment, all those kind of things, I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. Right, so we started doing this series, and we're using something called the Apostles' Creed. And the Apostles' Creed is not scripture. It's just something that was written many, many years ago as a summary of what we believe. So it, it goes like this. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. It's important. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified. It's critical that that happened. He died and was buried. He descended into hell on the third day. He rose again. It's critical that the resurrection happens, right? It is absolutely critical. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. When we talk about that day, that it's not something spooky, but it's something that, that is here for our help and our counsel. And he is a part of the, 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 the head of God that wants to touch and be a part of your life. And it's not weird. It's important. The Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, and then here's the line for today. The forgiveness of sins. When I ask you a question, and I don't want you to give me a Sunday school answer, as a matter of fact, I don't want you to answer. I just want you to think about it. Do you believe in the forgiveness of sins? Now, don't just jump to yes. Because yes means you have no guilt, no regret. You're holding no grudges right now. It means that you look in the mirror and you're completely comfortable with what you see. I, I, I want us to take this line and not blow over the depth of what this says. Are, are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? Do I believe in the forgiveness of sins? We launched this church. And one of the verses that from the very beginning has been a big part of what we do is John 10.10, 10, and it says this. The thief, that was one of Jesus' favorite terms for the devil. He often called him a thief or a liar. This, this is kind of what he would say. The thief, he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he does. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. We're going to walk through that in just a second. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life, and life to the full, I'd like to I'd like to call that joy. Joy. Do you have joy? Because I think joy is very tied to this understanding of true forgiveness of sins. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? When I understand the depth of that, joy is a is is, is an automatic response in that process. But I want to point something out in this verse. 
And that is that the devil takes, right? He steals, kills, and destroys. He takes, but Jesus gives. You ever notice that the devil comes to you? Come on, somebody. Anybody else? It is so easy to get in trouble. Anybody? Doesn't it seem like temptation just walks up to your front door and goes, hi, right? But you may have life. That's, that's interesting. <laughs> Did you notice that word? That you may have life. You may, maybe, might. Not like the devil. The devil brings it up and serves it on a platter to you. But you might have life. What does that mean? Well, that means you have to choose it. See, see God says, I'm going to stand here. I'm going to let you step to me and choose to have a relationship with me. The devil just comes to you and goes, I don't really care if, if you follow me or whatever. I'm just going to hand this to you because I know it will distract you from that. That's my goal. We have to choose it. But you might have life. If there's any person on the planet that I can think of that should have guilt or sorrow, it would be the Apostle Paul. You think about Paul, he started out, his name was Saul, he started out as a terrorist. Right? He was a terrorist to the church. And, 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 and killed and oversaw the killing of multiple Christians. Have you ever thought about this? Paul then has a conversion with Jesus and becomes one of the biggest proponents of Jesus. Right? Launching churches, writing to the churches, which is now a big part of our Bible. And, all, and, and, and so this transition. But have you ever thought about this? I wonder if Paul ever walked into a church or a place that he was starting a church and ran into family members of people he had killed. Right? Well, what happens, what happens when we have to get face-to-face with our history and the, and the things that we've done? Right? And, and the, but, but Paul says this. I love it. If there's anybody that should talk like that, it would be Paul. But look at what he wrote in 2 Corinthians. I'm sorrowful. I have sorrow. But look at the word. Yet. Always rejoicing. Poor. I don't have a whole lot. I don't have a lot of money. Yet making many rich. Having nothing and yet possessing everything. What do you do with with somebody with an attitude like that? Nothing. You know those people that are just... It's, it's called joy. And you know why? Because they're not the kid in line carrying all the baggage. They're not weighed down by all the stuff. And so many of us have stuff, whether it be from our church background, our traditional background, or things that have said, things that we've got. We've got, we've got all this stuff built up that, that we've got to find this place to be able to put it down and trust in this thing called the forgiveness of sin. <laughs> How do you mess with Paul? <laughs> right? They come to Paul and they go, that's it, we're going to put you in prison. And he's like, oh, good. I hadn't finished writing that book to the Ephesians. It's going to give me a whole bunch of time to write that. And I don't think that jailer saved. I'm going to get this. And then they go, all right, well, we're going to chop your head off. He goes, oh, would you? Oh, I don't know. To live as Christ to die again. I don't know. Do it. Cut it off. Cut it. I don't know. Do it. Whatever you want to do. That's, that's the attitude. Listen to me. That's the attitude of somebody who has been a terrorist and really in a lot of ways almost an antichrist to the church, but has really, really believed and lived the forgiveness of sins. Are you you hearing what I'm saying to you? Too many of us are not experiencing life to the full because we're 
sentiments around. Guilt, shame, regret, fear. Worried that your boss is going to find out. Worried that your wife is going to find out or your parents are going to find out. Hiding from relationships because of shame and fear that people might find out what you have done. Let me read it again. John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and life to the full. I grew up believing completely opposite of what that verse says. I wonder if you're the same. Because this verse says, the devil takes and Jesus gives. I grew up with the thought that the devil wants to give me all the fun stuff, but Jesus wants to take all the fun stuff away. Anybody else? Like you can't do this, you're not supposed to do that, and you can't do, and, and that, that's just that's just not true. Right? And if, I, if I live holy, I, I mean, I grew up in church and I didn't like church. I didn't. It was boring. It was boring. We sat in pews. Come on, anybody sit in them old wooden pews? And Heidi would go to sleep. You know what I'm talking about? And it was, it was boring, quite honestly. As a kid, it was, it, was, it was boring. But I was smart enough to know I didn't want to go to hell. Anybody else? And really, that, that was kind of what it was all about until I understood the idea that there was relationship. So I, I, I lived a double life. Anybody else? I put on the church. Oh, good morning. How are you? Right? But I'm off cussing like a sailor in the locker room or doing all kinds of other things that I shouldn't have been doing. And they come to church and, you know, do my kind of, oh, forgive me, God, and poor me, and all this, and penance, and crawl on my knees and ask for forgiveness, and maybe I do enough. That's, that's a double life. Listen to me. You have to choose forward based on the forgiveness of of sins. Why? Because, well, sin does a couple things to you. We just heard it in there. Sin, well, steals your joy. It's awesome doing it right now. Come on, somebody. The devil's going to show you the world. And can I say this to you? The world looks good, y'all. Come on. It's shiny and blingy and all kinds of good stuff, and it's going to feel good, and it's going to be fun initially, and all that stuff. And it is. It's going to be all those things. Right? I, I want to be that honest with you. I sometimes feel like in church, we really sell this the wrong way. We look at people and go, oh, you don't want the things in the world. They're terrible. No, they're not. They're a lot of fun. Come on. Let's be honest. For a season. They're a lot of fun. For a season. It stinks on the backside of that season. That's the part that stinks. Right? Because it's false advertising. The world has false advertising. Come, it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be all, but come on. There are, there are story after story in here that people will tell you of. When I got to the end of that, it stunk. And I had to clean up a mess, and I had to clean up my life and my way of thinking and all kinds of consequences to that, that reality. It steals your joy. Look at Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. What does that mean? Well, blessed is not a, a financial term, although we seem to always go in that direction. That's not what this means here. Blessed is something that's a state of the soul. In other words, joy. Or happy. So I'll read it this way. Happy is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. When you know you are forgiven, there's joy. When you really buy that idea, there's happiness. Right? Whose sins are covered. Blessed or happy is the one whose sins the Lord does not count against them. Come on, that I'll amen myself if you're not going to amen that one. Come on, that's good stuff right there. That God would forgive you of your sin. 
Google looks good, right? Thank you, God. And whose spirit is no deceit. Why is there no deceit? Well, because I don't have to lie to cover up what I did. You ever lie to cover a lie? Come on. Hey, you've got a lie to cover this one, and then it's like, wait, I told mom this, I told dad that, or I told so-and-so. That, like, they don't feel that. They don't feel that stress. They don't feel that scenario. There's no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. You catch that? You ever had something inside of you that was eating up? Come on, you ever been there? Had that guilt thing sitting inside of you, and you knew, and your bones start wasting away? That's what this is talking about. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night, your hand was heavy on me. You ever felt that? You ever felt like you know you've done something wrong, and you haven't told yet, and it's still, and it's like just something is just pressing you or heavy on you? Heavy on me, my strength was sapped in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. Then, here, now I acknowledge my sin to you. It's going to turn. And did not cover up my iniquity. Let me tell you a story. So here's a, here's a little, if you will, transparent story. I had come out of being a fraternity boy, and, and I, I'll tell you this, I was a really good one, okay? Um, I would be embarrassed to tell you, and I struggle with not having shame and regret for some of the things that I've done, that I've done and who I love. My mama prayed me back home. I was a prodigal kid. I went back to the church. I got plugged into the church, and I was serving. And I played guitar and led worship. And so the youth pastor said, come and lead worship for the youth. And I became that. Then I started playing with the band on Sunday morning. And I was doing all this stuff. And then it got back to the pastor that I had had an indiscretion. And I had done something immoral. And so he called me to his house one night. Hey, Mike, can you come by? I was like, yeah, sure. So I drove over to his house. And he goes, hey, I just need to address this. Did this happen? And standing there in that moment, I would love to tell you that I was a man of honor, and I wasn't. I looked that pastor in the eye, and I went, I have no idea what they're talking about. They're lying. He said, all right, well, I trust you, Mike. If that's you know, your story, I trust you, blah, blah, blah. And I got in my car, and I started driving away from the pastor's house. And I felt everything that we just read in this in the sky. Right? And I out loud yelled in my car. I'm not living like this anymore. And I did a U-turn, and I went back to the pastor's house, and I said, I just lied to you. I did everything that you just said. This did happen. I was removed off of the church leadership. People in the church knew it. I felt every time I went to church, everybody was looking at me because they knew what was going on in my, my life and how horrible a person I was and all this sort of stuff. But I will tell you this. That was the transformation moment in my flesh. When I said, I don't want to live like this anymore. Did I have to pay the consequences? I absolutely did. Did I have to walk through some time of what felt like humility and shame? I absolutely did. But here's what I can tell you. I haven't stood and looked somebody in the face like that in life since. Because on that day, on that day, that God used that moment for me to understand forgiveness of sin. And that if I would acknowledge it, what does it say here? Right? Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all who are upright in heart. 
somebody needs to say this. Somebody needs to confess something. To someone else, in the appropriate place. You, you need to let it go. Because it's killing your joy. It's got you in a place where you're all bound up and feeling oppressed and struggling in that. And you need to know it's time. It's time to put the bag down. Because the only way, listen to me, the only way that kid was moving forward in the process was to put the bag down. He had a choice. He could put the bag down and move forward in the process, or he could keep his bag and go home. And the only way for each of us to move forward in what it is that God has for us is for us to get very real with this part and reality of our life. What is that? Because you know what else it does? It kills our potential. It kills our potential. It not only pollutes us, it pollutes the people around us. Come on, when we've got stuff, whether it be sin or guilt, whatever the baggage is that we're holding on with us, actively something we're participating in now, or something, guilt, regret, fear that we're holding on to, that spills over to everyone around us. Why is it that I explode and blow up on one of my kids? Got to do with the kids, got everything to do with I've got this stuff inside of my heart that's all jacked up. So I blow up on them and it spills all over them. Right? Or I blow up on my wife and it's, or, or, or I'm, 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 I'm a grumpy coworker. <laughs> you ever see a grumpy coworker? If you don't have a grumpy coworker, it's probably you. You're the grumpy coworker. But listen to me, the reason they are or the reason you are is because of stuff. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Like, that's, that's what's going on. We, come on, we got to find some freedom. It's, it's time. It is overdue that we might find some freedom. Look at Psalm 73. Surely you place them on slippery ground, those who are actively in sin or fighting with this. So I get this picture of ice skating. Anybody here really bad, as bad as me at ice skating? Like, if this was a skating ring and I got on skates right now, y'all would see me for about four seconds. And then, well, not, right? I stink on skate. I'm really good on roller skates, but I cannot scout ice skates. They're on slippery ground. You cast them in the road. How suddenly they're destroyed, swept away by the terrorists. I see this over and over. And my plea to you this morning is where are you going to put the bags down? When are you going to put the bags down? Because the only way that you can move forward, and God's got a great plan, right? That kid's going off. He's going to go to Marine training. He's going to learn to fight and shoot and, 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 and probably put on some weight and be a stud. And three, three months from now, this kid's going to walk in and freak his parents out because of the kid he's going to be. But the only way that he can move forward in the process is what? Put the baggage down. And that's so true of so many of us. We're spinning our wheels. We say things like this, ah, oh, it's just who I am. My grandpappy was a drinker, and my daddy was a drinker, and so I guess I'm just going to be a drinker. Or they were liars, and, well, that's just, that's what it means, that's what it means to be a Matheny. I always say this to you, that's not true. Just because your family might act a certain way, or you act a certain way, does not mean that's who you were created to be. That's something I like to often say to my kids, and let me encourage you to. The way you're acting right now is not good, but that's not who you are. You were created to be something more and something different. Right? And I say 
that to each and every one of you. You were created to be something more. What, what might be holding you back in the process is what you're actually holding on to. Say it this way. You cannot be guilty and happy at the same time. You cannot be guilty and joyful at the same time. So we've got to make a daily choice. And I would say it to you this way. It's daily. Come on, somebody. It's, it's every day. Acts 3 and 19. Now repent of your sin and turn to God so that your sins may be, what does it say? Wiped away. Do you trust that? Do you count on that when you give it to him? Then times of refreshment. That's what I'm talking about. Right? Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. In other words, we don't have to sit in a bar to have times of refreshment. Come on. It's just a form of medicating because of the bags I carry. And I'm tired of carrying the bag, so I'll sit down on a bar stool and have a couple, so it just kind of chills me out a little bit. Right? Times are refreshing, and we medicate in all kinds of ways. I think on that one particular one. But whether it be chocolate shopping, gossip, come on, somebody. We get refreshed by going over with the girls and going, hey, did you hear about, oh, my God, Sally? And somehow that's sickly refreshing for us when it's not really who we're created. Then times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. Maybe some of us struggle in our worship times, and we're not feeling that refreshment from the time of the Lord because of what we brought into worship with us. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Like we, we've got to put down this stuff. So I want to walk through, and this is how I'm going to close today. I want to walk through a psalm that David wrote. Um, it's, all, it's Psalm 51, and it's a, it's a psalm he wrote after he had blown it big. So because I told you my story, I kind of relate to David. I, I get it, right? So, so David, he's like the king. He's Mr. Big and Bad, like all this stuff. But you guys know the story. He sees this woman. He wants her. He sends for her. He sleeps with her, finds out she's married, ends up having the husband killed. So not only is he an adulterer, he's also a murderer at the same time. He writes this psalm in response, in remorse for what he has done. And he says these four things in the psalm that I want you to hear. Wash me, which is an external thing. Cleanse me, which is an internal thing. Create in me, which is a new thing. Are you hearing? And restore me. Put me back where I should have been doing what you have called me to do in the first place. So let me walk you through this as we walk through this. Give you a few thoughts as we close today. Psalm 51 and 2. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Number one is this. You have to choose to put to death your old sin nature. You have to choose to put it to death. I use those words very specifically because you and I have sin tendencies. Come on, somebody. You have sin tendencies. Some of you struggle in the area of lust. Some of you struggle in the area of gossip or the way you talk. Some of you struggle in, in, in all kinds of different ways of the way that we're manipulators. We, we manipulate people instead of have a relationship with them. And so we have tendencies. Now, I don't know about you, but I can come into a church service and have this moment where the Holy Spirit speaks to me, and I'm like, yep, I need to work on that part of me. I put that to sleep right now, God. I ask you to wash it away. I lay it before your throne. I give it to you. And I walk out of church, and I feel good because I left it, right? 
How many of you know I get up the next morning and it starts all over again? Because, listen to me, because our sin, our guilt, our shame, all of these things combined, they're really all the same thing. They are like zombies. They're just like zombies. In other words, you shoot them and you put them down, and then it seems like the next morning they just crawl right up out of the grave, and here they come again. Right? Anybody, or is that just me? Right? So many of us have prayed and said, God, get me out of this, and prayed and said, God, get me out of this, and prayed and said, God, get me out of this. And we keep going through this, this cycle. You have to choose daily to put to death sin nature. You have to put to death guilt. You have to put to death fear. You have to put to death death re- resentment and regret. It's something you're going to have to do over and over and over again. And as you do it, you might have to put it to death farther and farther in between. Until at some point. Wait a minute, it's been a long time since I felt that full. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? We think this whole journey with God, we, we have this weird thing in churches, and it's some of us because of the tradition we work in. If we just come to the aisle today, and somebody lays hands and prays over us, that, well, bam, you're going to walk away. And listen to me, that does happen. I'm not negating that possibility. What I am saying this, statistically speaking, the majority of people don't experience it that way. The majority of people experience a process that God takes them through, and I think God does that on purpose, because he uses the process to grow us and to grow our character through that process. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? So we ask for the miracle, but we expect that we possibly may have to also go on a journey. That's very normal, but we don't don't like that in the United States. Come on, y'all. I want it instant, right? I want to put my sin in the microwave and it's done. Romans 8 and 12, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sin nature urges you to do. No obligation. You have a want, but not an obligation. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. That is what I want for you. What I want for you is to get up tomorrow morning and to feel a sense of joy. Even with your past. Even with the stuff you've done. But the reality is the God of the universe, when you get up and go, oh God, I'm asking you to forgive me again. The guy goes, what are you talking about? Because he... He wiped it away. Like, if you really prayed and you were sincere and hearty, he wiped it away. And you really don't know what you're talking about anymore. I think oftentimes we are praying prayers to God that we've already prayed. And he's like, hey, I love you, but can we move on? I already dealt with that. You just now have to live it out. You just now have to believe it and walk in that reality. Psalm 51 and 7, cleanse me. Now, this is internal, right? The, the first one is, is, is on the outside, but cleanse me is internal, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Number two, you got to release your past and step towards freedom. you got to release your past and step towards freedom. How do I release my past? I'll tell you how I've released my past. Some of you may do it a little differently, but here's Mike's experience. I really couldn't let go of things until I confessed them to someone else. I never felt freedom like the first day I stood in a pulpit and acknowledged some of my sin. 
I, I, I can't explain it to you. A freedom that came to me like, it doesn't have power anymore. I just told everybody. Like, I just, I just, now I'm not, I'm not saying next week we're going to have everybody come up one by one. Right? Like, no, that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. But what I am saying is, in an appropriate scenario, with an appropriate and safe people, I'm not talking, like, don't go over to the shamrock and sit on a bar stool and tell some guy your sins and expect that's going to break your freedom. That's not what I'm talking about. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? But listen to me, but the reality is, is, is that is, is, when you don't give it power anymore, there's somebody sitting here, I know, I, I feel it in my spirit just bigger than day. There are many of us sitting in this room, and you have never told somebody that. Or you never admitted that or feeling that. Can I just say this to you? That's why we do small groups. Because you can't do that on a Sunday morning. I mean, some of you might go over to the prayer team and you can do it in that scenario, but the masses can't do that on Sunday morning. You need to build a relationship that you trust so that you can say those things. That's why we need to do that. I promise you, when you come to a place of confession, it's freeing. Something breaks inside of you. There's no fear. I'm not worried about what you think of me anymore. Right? I, the whole time that I was prepping this, and even saying it to you this morning, the devil was whispering in my ear. Well, they're going to be wondering what actually you need to do. You didn't actually tell them what the sin was. So they're going to make up stories and all this sort of stuff. And so there's a part of me this morning even that was going, don't share that story. Don't tell that story. That's too vulnerable. Blah, blah, blah. Listen, and that's, the, that's what you struggle with. You, you, you struggle with this reality. And we, church, we need each other. We so need each other. And you need a place where you can come and go, look, this is my stuff. And can I tell you this? You came to a great place. Because this place right here, these people right here, they're full of stuff. And I mean that. And I don't mean that to be ugly. I just mean you're in a good place. This is a hospital, and some of us have just been on the antibiotics a little bit longer than the other. But we're all in the hospital, somebody. Right? We've got to create that place where we're cleansed because we can free from this. Listen to James 5 and 16. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other so that you can live together whole and heal. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Amen? Amen. But that's, that's got to happen. i got to find that place. So listen to me. When small group season comes, please don't do it like you did in the past where you started a small group but you didn't finish it. Because you had a million other excuses or a million other reasons or whatever. You need a place where you get relationship enough that you can look somebody in the eye and say, here's my stuff. And make it cool. Here's my stuff. Let's pray for each other and walk through this. Let's really live forgiveness of sins. Let's really trust that that's really who God is. Psalm 51 goes on, creating me a pure heart. Come on. You can't get a pure heart until you confess it and you get it out. Right? You can't ask for a pure heart. Some of us are asking for a pure heart, but we're still holding on to things. And those things are being polluted inside of us because they're still right next to our heart. Right? we got a septic issue inside of us, but we're asking for a pure heart. But you can't have that pure heart until it is. Renew a steadfast spirit in me. How do we do that? Number three, you've got to pursue God's plan for your life. It is no longer your life. It is God's life. He has a plan for you, Romans 12, and you don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world anymore. 
but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Remember that whole thought process that if I follow Jesus, I'm going to have to give up everything and to be boring and all this is blah, 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 blah. What I really want is what the devil has to offer. And I'll say this to you, for a season that's true. But in the long term, God's plan is good and pleasing and perfect. And Psalm 51 goes over this, restore to me, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain you. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. What does that say? That says you have a, a, a purpose in your life. That kid has a purpose. That kid is standing there in line. And there is a great meaning and purpose. But the question is, will he move forward in the process? And the answer is only if he drops the baggage. And the same is true for so many of us. The only way for me to move forward and fulfill what God has for me to do is to drop the baggage. So number four is live to impact others. Right? We are here to inspire life, share life, and give life. That's what we say. Inspire life in the way that I live. The way I live, I want it to inspire you. That you want life. That you want it differently. Share life. That we do life together. We get in small groups. And it's messy. People are messy. People get on your nerves. People are weird. Come on. That's what we do. We share life and then we give life in the way that we serve. Speaking about David's scenario here, it's the vision of our church. Many times I've told you over and over, the vision of our church, you can see it in Scripture over and over and over again. And Psalm 51 is another one. What do I mean by that? Well, this first one was wash me. That's the external. We say know God. That you might know God and have a relationship with him. That you wash, wash the sins away. Right? That's when you first ask Jesus to come into your heart and your life. And you come to have a relationship with him that you would know him. Well, then what do you say? Cleanse me. In other words, take care of the stuff inside of me. Here at church, we say find freedom. Why? Because we've all got a past and we need to get past our past. Come on, somebody. Is there anybody in here perfect? Anybody? Okay. I have to check it out. If there was holy people, I thought I was in the wrong place. Because last I checked, Mike is terrible minus Jesus. Anybody else? That whole zombie sin tendency thing? Come on, y'all. I get up in the morning and go, okay, Jesus, you got to get on 27 today. Am I going to be in the love lane? Bless that soul. Right? Right, right, right. That we've got we've to deal with it. Why? Why does my get like that? It's probably baggage. It's probably stuff that Mike hasn't put down and let go of. That he thinks he's so important that people need to get out of his way. And to find freedom. Come on, somebody. Cleanse me, God. And he goes on and he says, Create in me. Well, there's something new that God wants to do inside of me. We call it this. Discover purpose. That you might understand why you're here. And you are here on purpose. You may not realize that yet, but you're here on purpose. If you ever doubted it, let me confirm today. You are here on purpose. I sat next to a, a man yesterday 
I went up to play pickleball for the first time in a long time, and I'm sitting next to a guy, and I got a chance to minister to this guy. So cool. I got a message from another lady who wants to meet with us this week, but she met him not back yesterday afternoon, and then sent me a message and said, I would like to come and check out your church. I'm like, go ahead, God. You're really cool, man. But our conversation with this dude, he said, he said, yeah, everything I've done in my life, I should already be dead. He said, but I guess I'm, you know, I don't know. And I said, I said, sir, that's called purpose. He said, yeah, I guess. He's like, but look how old I am. I haven't figured it out yet. And I said, well, where are you looking? He just looked at me. I said, I'm going to check out, check out our church, maybe. Maybe it's a different place to look. Because every single one of you, regardless of whether you recognize it or not, is perfect. You created me, God, right? And then what was the last one? Restore me. We say, make a difference. Know God. Find freedom. Discover purpose. Make a difference. That's what David was saying. That's what it means for you and I to put all this stuff down and say, God, here it is. The good, the bad, and the ugly. When I was a manipulator, when I was this, when I was that, when I was involved in whatever that you've been involved with, you need to hear that simple statement that we read at the beginning of the sermon out of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I want you to hear this morning. I believe enough for you, even if you don't. I believe that God is bigger than anything ever done, said, or will be done or said. And when he died on that cross, Jesus said these words, It is finished. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? It's finished. It's finished. Now we just got to live it out, isn't it? Let me pray for us today. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for challenging us today. God, for those of us who are just like that young recruit holding all kinds of bags, not realizing that that's what's holding us back from moving forward in the process. We choose now by faith. Again, we put it down. We put down guilt. Don't you have no place in our heart and in our life anymore? Jesus said it is finished, and so it is finished. And that sin is wiped away. Fear, you have no place in our spirit and our heart anymore. Because Jesus died that I might not fear, but that I might have life and life to the full. So today I stand up in boldness, understanding that God's created me to do something great in his kingdom. Those of us today that need to put a sin down. You know what it is. The Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now about it. Today, I begin to take a daily choice of killing that zombie. And when it rears its head again tomorrow, God, I'm going to come running to you again and ask you to kill it again. And we're going to go through a process of putting down the sin in my life and the baggage in my life that I might live the full life you have intended me to live. If there's anybody here with your eyes still closed that has never asked Jesus to come into your heart, I'm going to give you some words. I'm going to pray a prayer. You can pray something like this. Ready? Jesus, today I surrender. 
give you all my sin. I give you all my guilt. I give you all my fear. I give you all the hurts of my life. I ask you to come in and make me whole. Thank you for loving me and forgiving me. Best as I understand. I'm going to begin to serve you with the rest of my life. Y'all got a table set? Amen. Church, I touched on something sensitive today. I had you pull some things up in your mind and in your heart that might be a little heavy today. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Don't be so quick to run off in this moment and you do some personal business with God or maybe even go over to our prayer team, which there's a couple people that will be able to hear. Oftentimes, Pastor Doug and Ms. Dawn are out in the lobby and they would be happy to pray with you as well. Listen to me. Don't pick the bags up today and walk back out the doors. Are you hearing me? Make the choice today. I promise you, God has great things for your life. As hard as it is for you to put things down or admit things or face things, it's critical for you moving forward in what God has for you. Amen? Thanks for joining us today. We would love to help you on your next steps. Please visit cotlakes.com. Join us weekly as we continue to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in our community.